which is manifest in the law of dharma. That is why we are we don't use the word sin because dharma for us is not a mandate of God. If you go against that, you become a sinner. For us, dharma is a manifestation of God. Which you go against, you are really going against yourself because that Bhagavan is revealed as the truth of you. That's why dharma becomes the first purushartha to be accomplished before moksha. That is why all this preparation, that is why all this qualification. And, and so, for one who is not accomplished in dharma, this knowledge will not attract. You know, even if you force them to sit, their mind will be elsewhere. Even if you make them, you know, be present, they will go away. And, and so therefore, here he knows all this and he says that once you are in a human body, that means what? The body itself, the mind itself is karma phala, is the fruit of action done in other lives. That is what has crafted this body at this particular time. And so the ailments of the body, the ailments of the mind, the ailments of the emotions, the afflictions, they are all the fruit of karma done in this or other lives, previous lives. The body of course from the previous life and other things from either this or previous lives, we do not know. And so, there is a theory in the Shastra, in the, in the uh, Vedic uh, thing, there is a contention that you have to do exhaustion of vasanas means all your karma has to be exhausted before you can do mm. before you can get moksha so they see moksha as a two part operation part a what is part a exhaustion of all the karmas and part b the rise of moksha so you see part a and part b are linked in the sense that part A is a necessary and sufficient condition for part B, which is the rise of moksha, is of course concomitantly connected to the kshaya of vasana or the exhaustion of karma. And this is a contention alone that doesn't have any basis. A lot of people think this. And this is important to correct this vasana kshaya problem, the exhaustion of karma as a as a possibility we have to correct this because if I have this idea in mind I will seek the wrong outlets for moksha mm -hmm. I will not say jnana meva you know the jnana agni sarva karmani bhasmasat kurute tada this is the you know fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita which says that the fire of knowledge is so hot that it burns away all the karmas kshiyante ja asya karmani tasmin drishte paravare the, the, the Mundaka Shruti that I quoted yesterday, all that will become invalid. If, because this is really against the Shruti. And if it is against the Shruti, and if I accept it as a valid way about going uh, uh, about my quest, then I will run into the trouble. And what is that trouble? Of going, uh, adopting the wrong means. Mm -hmm. So therefore we have to correct this. Because the truth be told, one is collecting karma just like one is collecting dust even while sitting down. Correct? <laughs> you keep a piece of furniture, especially in this, you know, in the summer, in the hot uh, thing, uh, even inside the house. After three days, 
there will be after one or two days there will be a film after three days a bigger film after four or five days you can write your name on it you know <laughs> same thing with the car and sometimes the cars are so dirty standing outside that the children who play write some things wash me they will write on the car and so this this shows something that this uh, you know this karma collects keeps collecting especially in the human form you cannot exhaust all the karma why because there is agami karma what is agami karma that you are doing right now so in the process of trying to exhaust it like even the kitten playing with a ball of wool after 5 minutes you don't know which is the ball of wool and which is the kitten the two are helplessly untangled entangled so in the process of trying to untangle the previous karma you are getting more entangled so how are you going to get rid of the previous karma now i'm going to do new karma i'm going to do good karma to abolish the bad okay that is actually a vedantin view anyway but even if you contend that in the process of doing the new karma will you not have any omissions and commissions yes you will because it's a human mind even in doing puja so many steps are forgotten that is why at the end we have a pray uh, you know prayer hmm. va kaya you know everything that is done manasa vachasa kaya which is done inadvertently whatever i have done oh bhagavan please forgive me why because we know that there are many steps that are missed even in a simple puja and because the mind is elsewhere and so therefore what so therefore this is not a possibility to exhaust karma to go about the way of exhausting karma means that you you, you alone will be exhausted <laughs> karma will not get exhausted the entity that is to be get exhausted is who tvameva you are the one who will get exhausted karma will still remain in your account and besides have you looked at your karmic bank account to know how much is there and how much to exhaust i have exhausted three fourths of my karma one fourth is left how do you know that and even if you exhaust the prarabdha karma there is sanchita sitting there we know that there are three kinds of karma in any jeeva's account one is prarabdha a suitcase a full suitcase that one comes with it has a combination lock only bhagwan knows the, 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 the how to open it nevertheless it opens every day and yields many surprises mostly bad sometimes good <laughs> every day this duritas keep coming out and then if you say okay i am going to sit i am just going to be in pvs permanently vegetative state and exhaust all these what about the sanchita karma sitting in your account because the prarabdha is a small infinitesimal part of the sanchita karma it's a tiny little you know piece and here you say oh i can't handle this prarabdha wait till you see sanchita what are you going to say <laughs> sanchita is this unending bank account an endless resources of karma endless avataras are waiting to incarnate squid and earthworm and unicellular animals and you know all kinds of new new species are waiting in the wings to incarnate it has enough karma for endless amounts for the whole kalpa to last then of course the question comes how did i get that karma 
How did that I get that karma? The jiva is anadi because the jiva is a superimposition. I told you yesterday karma is a model. So the jiva is a superimposition upon you know atma which is free of karma. And so too the karma is also a superimposition. But a necessary superimposition because on the transactional level of the everyday reality, not at the level of clay but at the level of pot, at the level of the small pot who says, you know, what did I do to get cracked pot karma at that level. At that level it is good in a way because it keeps the person, you know, devout, it keeps the person seeking in the correct way and it makes the person becomes dharmic. It encourages the person to have some dharma so that one is on the correct path. One doesn't get lost. And so too, the, the belief in the first portion of the Veda, the belief is that what it states is that if you have had one human life, ek, just one, in, you know, human-like life, in this earth or any other place where you have free will, you have enough karma to last endless numbers of lifetime. How are you going to exhaust it? And then these proponents of this exhaustion contention, they are very exhaustive in their claims. And what do they say? They say that you can exhaust it by just indulging in your desires. Because that is what is karma. I mean, you know, because the fact that you have a desire for chocolate cake, when? 6 o'clock in the morning. That is, you know, <laughs> that's part of the thing. That's from the previous life, this desire has come. And if I suppress this desire, then what will happen? That karma will still be there waiting to fructify. And may not this chocolate cake become the reason for my next incarnation. You know, to work in a cake factory, that will become my next karma. So these people say. And so therefore what? Therefore, I have to just indulge these desires and then keeping on just exhausting the karma means in doing whatever I want. So the two, two parts, one is don't restrict yourself. Second is do lots of puja so that all these karmas are exhausted. So this is two portions of this theory, both of them are problematic. First one we have already seen and second one is also not a good reasoning. And it's not a good reasoning primarily because you cannot, you know, if it was just the desire for that one cake, okay, by all means have it. But then what? So many cakes. Chocolate cake, velvet cake, pound cake, you know, uh, eggless cake, this cake, that cake. So many cakes. Upside down cake. There's all kinds of cakes. <laughs> you become upside down trying to exhaust this uh, desire for cake. It is not going to go. If you have one cake, then next morning you'll feel like having two. This is how the desire goes. And the desires, they don't, you know, they, they are not weight conscious. They are not calorie conscious. They are not cholesterol conscious. Conscious. The desire doesn't say, you know, I think I need to, you know, take a break from the cake and drink some raw olive oil because I need some good cholesterol. Desires don't say that. Neither does the body say that. You have to say that. And if you have become absent, in the process of pursuing these desires, if you have gone a wall, what is a wall? Absent without leave. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gave you the permission to go missing in action. You have gone a wall. 
and let this whole desire create havoc on the body-mind-sense complex. And then you say, oh, this is the way to exhaust karma. No, you are the one who is going to be exhausted. Bhagavan has the last laugh. So therefore, when you say, when, when Ashvalayana is saying here, Sarva Papam Vyapohya, Sarva Papam Vyapohya means having, you know, that agent which scrubs away all the papas. That is that agent. And what is that agent? What kind of soap is it? Is it surf? Is it tide? Is it, what is it? It is the soap of knowledge. <laughs> the soap of knowledge cleanses the karmas. Why? Because the, the soap of knowledge cleanses the film in front of the eyes and the film in the mind that thinks oneself to be karta. The soap of knowledge falsifies the karta and if the karta is woken up from the deep slumber of ignorance, the one who thinks I am the karta is woken up from this dreaming slumber of ignorance and the karma also attached to that person's name goes away. Because the premise that I am the doer is itself problematic. So then what I have done cannot accrue to me when I understand that I am not the doer. This has to be properly understood. It's like, you know, in the last their names in the ballot, Bhagavan decided to call them. And so they were on some other ballot in another loka. They were no longer here, they passed away. But it was too late to remove the names in the ballot. And the electorate fed up with whoever was standing in the election even though knowing full well that these people had died and, and actually they, they made them win because they did not like anybody else. So they put all the votes to this dead person, this dead man, the dead woman. So if all the votes go to the dead person, who is going to say these are my votes? There is nobody to claim the victory. There is nobody to claim that. It's like a dead person's vote bank or it is like a dead person's bank account. Who is there to, you know, say this is my bank account? Nobody is there. And so therefore, this is, this is the whole understanding, is the knowledge scrubs away notions of doership. So we are not attacking the symptom here. The symptom is karma phala. Mm -hmm. We are attacking the cause that makes me think I am an individual, separate, finite and subject to certain laws and subject to karma phala. That is what is the knowledge is attacking. So therefore it is a permanent solution, not some kind of a, you know, hair-brained solution to this whole, uh, you know, karma and being bothered by karma. And this has to be really properly understood. And looks like our protagonist here. Who is he? Ashvalayana, the sage, knows this. Yaya, by which knowledge? Yaya what? Brahmavidyaya. Brahmavidya is the only thing, the knowledge of Brahman, not as some big guy in the sky, but as the truth of myself. The knowledge of Brahman alone has the power of scrubbing away the papas. All the omissions and commissions are gone because I wake up to the exciting fact that I am really not the doer. 
and this is something which is wonderful. So everything that was done, that had accrued to the name, goes away. The body might have some, you know, the body is still part of the, the manifest universe. The jnani never thinks that the body belongs to him or her. The body undergoes certain things. And that's why it's a spiritual romanticism. And some people, even sadhus, come under this uh, wrong understanding. It's spiritual romanticism to think that once I get moksha, I, I will have a strong body. I will stop aging. I meaning what? The body here. <laughs> that itself shows there is a problem. Correct? I'll stop aging. And then what will happen? Oh, no disease will come to me and I will not die. And some people actually thought that. There was one guru that was, you know, that uh, not very far from here. <laughs> so, <laughs> who, who, who claimed that, there, that uh, you know, he never went to the bathroom. Whether he claimed or the disciples claimed. And the scientists went in and saw, indeed there was a room and there was a kitchen and kitchenette, but there was no bathroom in the guru's quarters out of which he never came out. And they said, oh, this must be because they have the knowledge. There is nothing there. This is, they have been, you know, just like Bhagavan doesn't, you know, when you build a temple, you don't have to build attached bathroom for Bhagavan. For this, this Bhagavan also, there is no attached bathroom. Like that they thought. And then after he passed away and then, you know, got into a lot of controversies. And then they went there and they found that under the bed, there was a trap door leading to a flight of stairs. In the basement was the bathroom. What is the reason for all this? Who is going to the bathroom? Body is going to the bathroom. The body is a product of five elements. And it's participating in the natural, you know, cycles of, of waste recycling. That is the natural cycle. The trees do it. They shed their leaves. They shed the flowers. They shed the seeds. And so the body also sheds, you know, so many things. This is not a, this is not a problem. And so, this, this false spiritual romanticism where you feel like, you know, the, 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 uh, after knowledge, the body is going to become immortal. That means that Deha Abhimana has not gone, the body identification has not gone. That is what it is. So here, Ashvalayana is in no such uh, grip of any romanticism. He says that knowledge which scrubs away the Papa, by revealing the person to be free of papa and punya to be niranjana. Niranjana means totally unafflicted by anything. And that knowledge by which yati, the, the, the learned person having gained this knowledge, the one who becomes learned, yati, yati means goes. Where does the person go? Yati also means attains. This is all within heavy quotes. Attains, goes, etc. Attains means what? Attains the attain, attained. Already attained, the person attains. So where does the person go? What does, what does the person attain? Parat param purusham. Let us see purusha first. Purusha has, the word purusha has two meanings. One is purav ushyati. The by this individual, this city is inhabited. The one who lives in a city. Everyone lives in a city. No, no, no. This is more like a nine-gated citadel. 
a citadel, a, a, a completely blocked fortress with nine gates. Navadware pure dehi naiva kurban nakarayan. Bhagavad Gita also confirms this. And what is this nine gated city? Body. The body with the eyes, nostrils, whatever it is, you know. All the openings are the portholes, the windows through which I greet the world, I look at the world. But the indweller of this body, mind, sense complex is called Purusha. First meaning. And who is this Purusha? Sad, bad, mad. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very sad, upset, tired, exhausted, sunken, disenchanted, hopeless, a struggler, a controlling person. We talked in the introduction a lot about control. Because there is nothing in the Purusha, in this first Purusha's control, the, the the lack of control is compensated by becoming a control freak. In the sense that such people are not even able to sit quietly. They don't know how to delegate. They delegate something to the child. Do this. Every minute they are behind them. Did you do that? What are you doing now? Now what are you doing? After this what did you do? See, you did this wrong. I knew you would do this. <laughs> and so this is the control person, controlling person. Because everything is out of control. So the first one is a insecure, controlling ninja, a defensive and offensive person who feels constantly bombarded by, assailed by what one is not. Trapped in this body. So of course doesn't feel limited. Oh, sorry, limitless. Does not feel limitless because the person is veritably feeling trapped in the body. Body-mind-sense complex is the fortress. So the sad, trapped Purusha, trapped by the bars of doership and experiencership, which is called the life, which leads to a life of becoming, called samsara, where one is trying to become something or the other all the time, and this is the sad, mad, bad, feeling bad fellow. The first meaning of the word Purusha. By another etymological derivation, Purusha from Pr to fill, Sarvan Purayati Iti Purusha, that which accommodates everything. That which is the whole, which like space, accommodates everything in itself. And who is this Purusha? Sahasra Shirsha Purushaha Sahasraksha Sahasrapath Sabhumim Vishpato Pritva Atyatishthaddashangulam Purusha Evedagum Sarvam Yat Bhutai Yat Chabhavyam That Purusha. Purusha on which a hymn in the Rig Veda has been composed and that hymn reveals this Purusha to be one with a thousand eyes one with a, you know, thousand, every leg is that Purusha's leg only, the cosmic being, Bhagavan. Every leg is the leg of Bhagavan. Every eye is, is what makes the eye see, is Bhagavan alone, is the presence of Bhagavan behind the eye that make, makes the eye see. Every time you run, Bhagavan is running, you know. The legs belong to Bhagavan, every leg is Bhagavan. And that 
which is manifest in the universe in the form of the manifest world but also without undergoing any change uniquely itself as well as lending its presence to to this jagat this projection called the jagat just like you lend your presence to this dream world you sustain the dream out of you the dream arises in you the dream sets and do you undergo any change if you dream you have a monkey's body in the morning do you start looking for a tree to climb no you are unchanged and likewise the one who is the past bhutam yacha bhavyam that which is the future which is timeless that which is the truth of the present this is the purusha sarvan purayati so study of the upanishad is a journey from the first purusha to the second purusha for the individual first i think of myself as a sad bad you know feeling bad person mad at the world mad at everybody angry first a small minuscule angry purusha feeling as though trapped by the body mind sense complex because of the misidentification with the above with the very same body mind sense complex leads one to feel trapped and this feeling is a notion which i confuse to be the ocean of samsara and because of which there is suffering there is papa there is punya there is fear there is desire there is anxiety and so one mistake leads to a whole brood of other mistakes which is called a chain of unending mistakes a cyclical mistake what is the first mistake avidya what is avidya ignorance agnana first mistake original mistake perhaps this is what in the bible is called original sin i don't know but the first mistake is the original mistake i don't know myself avidya i don't know the truth of myself and therefore the second mistake i take myself to be what i am not i i have desire, i have a insecurity and i have you know a an a, a, a pressure to prove myself i have pressure to justify myself in all situations i have the pressure to control the situations because i feel out of control and so this miserable purusha complicates the mistakes and in order to have control over the situations i have desires of all kinds and those desires really speaking are the desire to know the truth of myself but not knowing that I, the, the the desires are scattered and morphed into various avataras and because of those desires they create pressure within the heart to for them to be fulfilling themselves and then because of those pressures i have the pressure to act the more i act the more karma phalas come accrue to the name correct action means what the fruit of action is waiting in the wings to to come and the fruit of action guarantees that this life is not the last life because the powered by the original fuel what is that self ignorance 
the karma phalas become the cause of the new birth which also happens in avidya so there is this cycle of repeated births and so this cycle is called avidya kama karma shringhala shringhala chain and the three main things are talked about in this chain self ignorance wrong desires and then finally what is the other one karma action and action includes fruit of action rebirth etc so this is the unending chain that one falls into as the the first purusha the first purusha doesn't feel complete and full in fact it's the incomplete purusha and as long as i feel that i'm living in this citadel that the body mind sense complex is a delimitation to to my nature it's as good as myself it delimits who i am then as long as that pervasive delusion is present in me then what happens is that i become subject to all kinds of problems i become subject to all kinds of you know control issues insecurities fears and desires and therefore i have to i have to see a basic fact and i have to see that there is a reality that i am totally missing and what is that reality the journey to the second purusha if the second purusha is different from me there is no journey possible because if two two different things cannot be brought together even if they are brought together it is until they go apart yeah you so vyogantah sanyogah sanyoga means the bringing together of two things there is a there is a law in in sanskrit it is expressed vyogantah sanyogah any joining together samyoga is until it falls apart so anything that is put together till it falls apart so if the first purusha and the second purusha are what different they can never be joined together and if they are not different they need not be joined together what shall we do now <laughs> so what is the truth there is only one purusha so what is the second purusha an imposter an upstart an ignorant upstart an imposter a projection of of self ignorance the second purusha is just a projection it's like saying that the space in the pot has to be joined with space let us call the space which is inside the pot the first purusha that which is delimited as it were by the akara the form of the pot and let us call the space outside the second purusha which is which is all pervasive and which fills up everything which accommodates everything and so what should the space in the pot do to become one with the space outside should it go like this you know empty itself of the space should it break should it break itself should it be free of this form in order to know that there is no there is no separation whatsoever it need not be free of this form living in this miserable form full of cracks and holes and what not it can still say i am the whole i am space the pot space doesn't have to break open the pot the pot space has to understand that pot comes and goes i am space 
And so likewise, there is only one Purusha and that which has to be discovered by self-knowledge. And sage Ashvalayana seems to know this as well. And then here, the word Purusha is qualified by an expression, Parat Paraha. Para means beyond everything. And Paraha means beyond beyond. <laughs> what is this beyond beyond? There is one cartoonist in California who calls himself Swami Beyond Ananda. Ananda already means beyond, limitless. And then this man as a, as a spoof, I suppose, calls himself Swami Beyond Ananda. Really? And so it's like this, Parat Para Urusha. And uh, you know, so here, the first Para, Para means that which is, you know, that which is the Shakti, the Shakti of this Purusha, which Purusha, the one that fills up everything, Bhagavan's Shakti, that is manifest in the form of this universe. The raw material, Maya Shakti, this Shakti, that is that is itself not seen. Can you see Maya? No. Much less Bhagavan. That Bhagavan is you alone. And Maya, you cannot say, where are you? Oh Maya, show me your Kaya. Kaya means body. <laughs> you cannot say that. She is not going to oblige. She will say that I will put a spin on your life. That is how you will know me. Whenever you are in trouble, I am there. <laughs> Know me to be there. Whenever you are deluded, I am there in the form of your delusion. I am there in the form of your self-ignorance. I am there each time you make a mistake. That is me. Just recognize that as my body. My body is nothing but your own ignorance and delusion as far as this jiva is concerned. So if you say, Maya, show me your kaya, she is not going to oblige. Why? Because Maya is seen as the unmanifest force. Yeah. The force behind the manifestation itself unmanifest the cause of this jagat so for brahman when we talk about brahman satyam jnanam anantam brahman consciousness which is free of action consciousness does not act and so if consciousness does not act then the question comes who brought all this into being you know so then we have to bring in, only for those people who ask the question, okay? Yeah. If you don't ask the question, this is not brought in at all. But for people who ask the question, how did this all come in, come into being? Then we say that, then we say that, look at this whole situation. Look at the whole situation as the Shakti of Bhagavan, a mythical power, the word Mithya, must, you know, the word myth must have come from the word mithya only. This mythical power and as though power, the Shakti is not as real as Bhagavan. We are not talking of a parallel reality that has come to, that has been subcontracted by Bhagavan to make this universe come into being. But a mithya Shakti that has as though projected and, you know, the mithya Shakti is responsible for the projection responsible for the de-manifestation. So the whole Jagat is not so much a Srishti but an Abhivyakti that goes in and out.
So, the Maya is the unmanifest force and as though force that goes, that, that is responsible in the Shastra, we see that as responsible for the acts of manifesting and demanifesting this universe and is also the, 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 the material cause, upadana karanam, because the, the, to make anything, to create anything, you need two kinds of causes. What are they? You know, first you need the raw material. To bake a cake, you need the raw material. And then you also need the knowledge. When to, you know, when to put the sugar, when to put the icing, when to, how long to bake, how long to set aside, to cool, all these things. Because on the hot cake, if you put the icing, what will happen? Nothing will happen, you know. It will all go to, start melting. So all these things you have to know. So the knowledge and the matter together make this universe likewise. So in terms of the know-how, we, we say it is Bhagavan, it is Purusha. Mm. And then in terms of the raw material and the force that brings it about, we say Prakriti or Shakti, Maya. So this Maya is actually not ignorance. Don't think Maya is ignorance. Maya is ignorance only for Jiva, <laughs> not for Ishvara. Maya is all knowledge for Ishvara, but for Jiva it is, it, it translates as ignorance. So between Jiva and Ishvara, what is there? This force called Maya. In, in terms of the Jiva, it expresses as, as all ignorance. And in terms of Bhagavan, it expresses she is all knowledge. She makes Bhagavan all-knowing. She makes the uh, Jiva a miserable beggar. So it's the same formula. They, they say Brahman plus Maya is equal to Ishvara. They say that. Brahman plus Maya, the other side of Maya is equal to Jiva. Same thing. <laughs> it's a different God. But anyhow. So here, one can mistake that, that the, the manifesting force and the demanifesting force because it, 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 this is what is available in all the seasonal cycles. You see the season, you see the, the, the tree, in the spring it blossoms and then flower comes and the flower turns into seed and then the seed turns into the next plant and then the tree. That seed, if you cut open and say where is the tree? You see a miniature tree inside that seed? No. But everything is there. The whole DNA as a potential is there. The creative potential is there. It knows exactly how to behave. The mango seed is not going to be confused. Except if it has a human mind. If it has a human mind, it will say, what is this always mango tree, mango tree, great-grandfather mango tree, great-grandmother mango tree, mango tree. I want to be avocado tree. You know? Only if it has a human mind. Otherwise, it knows exactly what to do because the intelligence is there in that. The potential and the intelligence are together there in this raw material called the seed which leads it to become effortlessly another tree. And so that, you know, so this whole cycle, so the seed undergoes the cycle, the seasons undergo the cycle. 
The five elements participate in the cycle. So everything is cycling, moving, 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 recycling. The jiva is recycling also because in this life monkey, in next life dog, third life cat. So like this everything is cycling, 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 cycling endlessly. That is called the jagat, that is called the projection, that is called this ever moving maya shakti which is para, she is beyond reach, she is all knowing, she is, she is the manifestation. She is the manifesting potential. But do I want that? Ashwalayana says no. I don't want that. Because then I will also be moving, moving, cycling, cycling. Already what am I doing? Cycling, cycling from one samsaric experience to another samsaric. I made it into an English word. Samsaric. <laughs> I think this samsara, the word, will come in the next dictionary. Wait and see. So many things have become anglicized. The word karma is now in the dictionary, you know. Yeah, a lot of Vedantic words are now coming into the dictionary. Except people say karma, even when they are not having car trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, samsara will come in the dictionary. Veda has come and we can anglicize it and say Vedic, Vedic civilization, Vedic knowledge. So, samsara and samsarik experiences. So samsaric experiences, meaning the cycles means the change. So the first para here, the first para means this changing universe, which is itself a huge thing, which cannot even be known because it is unmanifest. The potential for these changes is unmanifest. That which brings about these constant changes is, is, is a power that is so huge. But I don't want to identify with the changes. I don't want things that are constantly changing. In fact, that is what has brought me to this Vedanta. Because I'm sick of these changes. And you know, on this note, the people try to bring, uh, what is its name? A, a, a stability into their lives in certain ways. Like they don't like to travel. People will say, I don't want to travel because I want a stable life. I don't like to get on planes and get disrupted. And then they will eat the same thing every day at the same time and they will do all this. And in a way the routine is good, not, not a problem. But the problem is that is not the stability which they are wanting. That is just a semblance of stability. That is just a stability connected to the body-mind-sense complex is not the stability because the body is changing all the time. Even by the time you have seen me, I have grown older. Why? Because the light takes, I told you yesterday, 186, you know, uh, uh, thousand uh, miles it travels per second and then the light has to travel to the eyes and then the eyes look, so you are always looking at the person in the past. So the body is changing and by the time you say the mind is changing, it has already changed many times. The senses are changing. That's why you have to keep going to the optometrist all the time. The numbers are increasing. And you know, everything is changing. And these changes are the ones that if I identify with the changes, I am fraught with pain, sorrow and fear. Therefore I seek the changeless. 
and the changeless is what I want and the changeless quote unquote canvas on which this whole tapestry of the Jagat is woven. Like supposing you see this beautiful tapestry, like sometimes people hang it in the house and let us say it has a sun, where in the tapestry, you know, it's a, a sun is embroidered. Then you, you have the other side, you know, you have the nice clouds and you have some mountains, all embroidered. Then there are these little stick figures in the form of people going and gathering firewood and children playing and little dogs and cats romping around. You have a little garden. All this is on the tapestry. Held by what? You know? A skein of various coloured threads. Three colours. Sattva Rajas Tamas. <laughs> the palette of Maya. Fantastic. So with the combination of these three gunas, she has, you know, done this whole tapestry. And if you say, ha, here is the sun, oh, here is the moon, here are the mountains, here are the people. You know, it's nice to look at the tapestry from outside. But if you feel you are trapped in the tapestry, if you are one of those stick figures, you know, feeling sticky all the time <laughs> because the sun is shining and you are trapped in this horrific painting. That's not the second Purusha. That is being trapped in the first Purusha. So you cannot say, let me out of this painting. Because the painting itself is a mythical painting. That I am trapped has to be understood, has to be interrogated. This is what it means, the serious pursuit. This is what it takes. I have to interrogate the, the, the feeling that I am trapped in this painting, somebody else's painting, somebody else's you know, universe, I am trapped into. So therefore what? I have to disidentify from the skeins of the thread and re-identify with the canvas, the changeless canvas I am. Because that is what I want to be. The changeless canvas I am because the skeins can unravel all the time. Just can, you know, easily. It will be a child's delight to take this and go like this and say, Oh, now it is three-fourths sun. Now it is one-fourth sun. Oh, no sun. Oh, the mountains are losing their tops. Pretty much the whole thing is erased. Like the, you know, like the whole uh, uh, scenery around the Kedarnath shrine. This is what happened. This is what happened in uh, India, in the higher Himalayas, there is this very, there was this, uh, there still is, there is a very remote shrine. Was meaning it's no longer so remote. Kedarnath shrine. And one of the, you know, very important places of worship, Shivalinga is there. And you had to go on donkey or foot and you had to cross all these, you know, these uh, hair raising, hairpin bends <laughs> in the mountains. And then finally you reach there, it's just a makeshift place. But because of global warming and because of the prakopa, the, 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 the anger of Mother Nature here, you see the whole mountains sliding down, just like as I told you, the unraveling tapestry. And Mother Ganga has just gone, everything. She submerged, the, she gave a bath to Shiva. And the, the, the whole Shivalinga, only this much was available to see for many days. Now the waters have come. I mean, she took away the small diyas that were kept. She took away all the, what is that called? The naivedya, the flower plate, everything gone. You should see this photo, you know. I can, I can send it to you. 
It's just amazing to see this. And there are some videos that people took from the helicopter. And you see this, you think this is a solid mountain. But you see the landslide, the whole mountain goes into the river. I have never seen anything like it. And then you see this building, which is a three-story building. And the whole thing, like a stack of, like a house of cards, just goes. And Mother Ganga is flushed away. And actually they say that it is, there was a uh, deity, a, I forget the name, but there was a mountain deity whose shrine everybody visited, you know, on the way to Kedarnath. And that shrine was very revered shrine. And geometrically, that shrine was in some kind of a triangle. There were three shrines. This Shiva, Kedarnath shrine, the main shrine, and two other shrines which were in the form of a triangle. And the, the apex, the, the tip of the triangle was pointing to the northeastern direction, which is a, a very holy direction. So, the, because they wanted to build a dam, they relocated this goddess. And the decision to relocate the goddess was really fought uh, against by all the local people who said, this is not good. Don't touch Mother Maya. She is, you know, she is the manifestation of the balance. And if she goes off balance, this is not good. And they say that the very next day after she was relocated because they wanted to make way to build a dam, then the whole thing, you know, was, uh, the whole thing came tumbling down. That is the thing. Yeah, Dhari Devi, correct. Yeah, that is the one. So the Dhari Devi shrine was totally demolished, you know, totally relocated. And the very next day, the expression of these floods came. So the whole point of telling you the story is that when I saw those videos of the mountain crumbling into the, the so-called mountain crumbling into the river, and the river herself behaving not like a river but like an ocean, everything, just, you know, swallowing everything, then it reminded me of this unraveling tapestry. So if I identify with the skeins of this tapestry, then my footing is, you know, extremely unsure. Then I keep repeating the same cycles. Maya has a certain cycle. I also myself keep reinventing myself through false identities. What is the use? That is called samsara. This constant attempt to reinvent myself using spurious identities through a repeated, you know, committing of the repeated mistake of misidentification. What a sad thing to do. So therefore, you have to go beyond these schemes and look at the canvas. Is the canvas going anywhere? The answer is no. There is a truth that lies beyond the seeming changes and the processes of repeated demanifestation and manifestation, these cycles. That truth I am, that truth I want. How beautiful, how wonderful. And this is what Ashwalagana already knows. I don't want just one, you know, feeling that, oh, I'm connected to Mother Nature. No, that's not what I want. What I want is, I want to know that truth which even makes Mother Nature spin. That is what I want. That is Parath para Purusha. That Purusha fills up everything. And that Purusha is the changeless self 
is revealed by the Shastra to be the changeless self. That is what I want, he says. Very beautiful. And Yati, he says Yati means definitely goes, goes within, uh, within quotes. And so Yati, Vidwan, so the knower of the self, attains this and this is what is, is what I want, Ashwalayana says further. Tasmai saho vacha, Tasmai saho vacha, Pita mahascha, Pita mahascha, Shraddha bhakti, Shraddha bhakti, Dhyana yoga, Dhyana yoga, Avaihi, Avaihi. So this we will see after a 10 minute break. Tasmai saho vacha, means unto him the great grand sire said or did he say no this through some qualifications we have already done some qualifications and the guru has a certain other way of talking about the qualifications which we will see after the break Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamadachyate Purnasya Purnamadarya Purnamivavashishyate Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om